Hey, y'all, it's Joe Wolverton, teacher of Liberty, back with you. Look, we got to be straight with each other. I did a great disservice to Thomas, John Trenchard and Thomas Gordon. Look, these boys who were more influential on our founding fathers than John Locke, even though you don't know that and never been taught that, and you're fixing to see why you've never been taught that, I have to do this episode over. So the one that's on there now, the podcast episode about Trenchard and Gordon called The uh, Glorious and Charming Sound, I'm going to delete that video, put this one in its place. And I swear, I, I felt so bad, but then I was like, you know what? They deserve better than that. They do. In conversation with, with Spencer uh, Bauer, shout out to uh, Hefe, um, they deserve better than that, okay? Because these boys did so much for our founding fathers. And to, to send their message off to people who've never heard it with that audio was in my way of looking at it, a, a great sin. So I have repented of that sin, and I'm coming back here to talk about John Trenchard and Thomas Gordon. So don't pay attention to that last one. Matter of fact, after today, you won't be able to pay attention to it because I'm going to put this one in its place, and this will be the only one where you can listen to me talk about John Trenchard and Thomas Gordon. Uh, unless you buy the Founder's Recipe book that's up here, guys, that book I'm telling you, if you like this stuff that I talk about when I talk about the Founder's Recipe, guys, that's the book to get. Right now it's on 20-something percent off because Amazon's got it at 20-something percent off. I would get it now. I'm just saying, I'm not fixing to get rich off it. You know that. But every little penny makes it where I can do this podcast because that selling that book and going around giving speeches about that, that's these people, that's how I make my living. So... Share this podcast, subscribe, do the thing. I don't know what you do. Twirl it on your finger. Um, send it in a chain mail to your grandma, telling her if she doesn't do it, that she's going to have eight years of bad luck, assuming she has eight years left, right? All right, John Trenchard and Thomas Gordon, early 17. Just let's just get into it, okay? Enough of Joey with your, with your funniness. I'm doing funniness while telling myself not to do funniness. Here we go. John Trenchard and Thomas Gordon, not going to worry about their bios. It really isn't important. And trust me, they don't care if I share their bios with you or not. They want the message out. The messenger means nothing. And they agree with that. And so do I. So they wrote under the pseudonym, the pen name Cato for Cato the Younger, the Roman hero. Um, that's who they wrote under. They did not write under their own names, although they did append a T or um, a G to say which one of them wrote it. John Trenchard, Thomas Gordon. John Trenchard was the older one. He started. He brought Thomas Gordon on. Thomas Gordon ended up writing the last six or so Cato's letters after John Trenchard died of a kidney disease. But the 138 letters that they wrote together, guys, are straight fire. They are from everything from freedom of the press, the dangers of a central bank, what we should do to tyrants, elections, political parties, insurrections, whether they're bad or not, all of that in Cato's. I'm telling you, forget watching the news, forget watch, reading the newspaper, you read Trenchard and Gordon, you're going to get the same thing, only written better, okay? Trust me on this, guys. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I'm fixing to get the Holy Ghost up in here because this stuff is more important than you can imagine. Okay? This was mother's milk to our founding fathers. These were written in the early 1720s, between 1720 1723, published in a London newspaper as letters to the editor by John Trenchard and Thomas Gordon. They were... They were reprinted in every colonial newspaper from Georgia to Boston, y'all. From Savannah to Boston, every newspaper in America. God, they were talking 1720, 1723. This is 40-something years. The last one was published 43 years before the Declaration of Independence, guys. We're talking these letters came out when our founding fathers' fathers were born. But that's how it had to be. It had to get transmitted down. That generation of our founding fathers, they were raised on this. James Madison's mom would take individual ones that her husband would have shipped over from England because they weren't rich. They had a lot of land, but they weren't rich. She would sew them together. Praise you, Nellie Madison, for being a 19-year-old new mom. And she's like, hey, something special about this boy. That was her oldest boy, her oldest child. 
she would sew them together so that her son could read nine years old. He was reading these things. Okay. Benjamin Franklin, it hit, I think it was 1749, right? When he wrote his, uh, instructions for the education of the youth of Pennsylvania. He said, let me get to what he said, because it's, it's so apt. He said, the English language is taught by grammar in which some of our best writers, such as Tillotson, Addison, Pope, Algernon Sidney, and Cato's letters should be classics and the styles principally to be cultivated, the clear and the concise. In other words, if you want your kid, Benjamin Franklin says, to be able to read well and to write well, have them read Cato's letters, have them read Algernon Sidney, and have them just copy it down until it becomes their own style. We're talking nine years old, 11 years old, guys. There are professors of American history who have never heard of John Trenchard and Thomas Gordon. But I'm telling you, there's a generation out there right now. There are those of us, my generation, who it is going to become our job to teach John Trenchard and Thomas Gordon and Algernon Sidney once again to a generation who are now but children. And those children will have children who will be raised on it, and that'll be the first generation since our founding generation to have been raised on these things, and they are going to read what our fathers read, and they are going to do what our fathers did, and they are going to draw that line and say, no, you move. No more mocking. No more manipulation. No more compromising. No more capitulating. That's it. We're done. God made us free. We're going to die that way, too. We will die with, we will come home with our shield or on it. Simple as that. And they will set about tearing the tyrant playhouse down. And this is what you, if you are a mother out there, a young mother, you have your baby, please get yourself a copy of Cato's letters and read this. Do you think they won't understand? Let me tell you something. These kids are coming hardwired. If they're being sent to the United States of America, to parents who are at all interested in something that I have to say, those kids are being sent with a special mission. And that mission is to restore our liberty. Get you a copy of Cato's letters, like $17, $20 at Liberty Fund. I'm sorry, I can't get us a discount code till I get to 1,000 subscribers. We're like 200 and something off that. Pass this around. Let's do that. But those kids will be taught these things. And look, when they get put, when that's the raw material that they're building their life out of, they're going to know what liberty costs and they're going to be willing to pay the price for it because we weren't. But we are at least going to be able to answer to our God and say, we may not have done what we had to do to restore liberty, but we did do, we did teach those principles. So we got that going for ourselves. Look. Cato's letters, as I said, quoted in every newspaper. That's Elizabeth Cook, the historian. Historian Gary Nash says, John Trenchard and Thomas Gordon were the most important disseminators, that means spreaders, of ideas to Americans in the pre-revolutionary generation. Forrest MacDonald, you can't get a more highly recognized, renowned historian than him. He says, Cato's letters was the most quoted book in all the Americans' pre-revolutionary writings. Clinton Rossiter, who wrote the foreword to the Signet copy of the Federalist paper, says, uh, No one can spend any time in the newspapers, libraries, pamphlets of colonial America without realizing that Cato's letters, and not John Locke's treatise concerning civil government, was the most popular, quotable, esteemed source of political ideas in the colonial period. Boom! Did you know that? Did you know that John Trenchard and Thomas Gordon were quoted more often than John Locke by the Founding Fathers? No, you didn't know that, and you're fixing to find out why. Uh, these, Like I say, 1720 to 1723. Do you all know that? Or John, and by the way... Uh, Thomas Gordon, when he was writing the, the forward to it, the introduction after Mr. Trenchard died and they were going to publish them together as a book, Thomas Gordon, the publisher, asked if Thomas Gordon would write a little forward. And he says that the Cato's letters were designed to teach impartial lessons of liberty and virtue. And like the bracelet says, there is no liberty without virtue. You can pretend all you want that you can be sinful and free. That you can be ignorant and free, but you want what never was and what never will be. Shout out to 
Thomas Jefferson. Do y'all know the show Fame from the 80s? Now, some of y'all are going to be like, I have no idea. There was a show called Fame in the 1980s. Google it. I don't know. I'm sure they got clips from it. Anyway, at one point, the teacher asked the students. They're at some uh, high school for the performing arts where everybody wanted to be an actor or a dancer or a singer or something. And the teacher says, you want fame? And the kids are like, yes. And she's like, well, fame costs. And right here is where you start paying. In other words, you got to do this. Heavy. Well, freedom costs. And right here is where you start paying. You're going to do the heavy lifting, just like those kids had to show up for practice and show up for rehearsal and go day in, day out practicing because they wanted that fame and fame costs. Freedom costs. Freedom costs filling your head with knowledge, using that knowledge in the defense of liberty that God gave us. And we are going to look all the guys the founding fathers read said one thing said many things in common, but one of the things they said in common, liberty once lost is lost forever. You can count on it. You can bank that. Liberty once lost is lost forever. So what are we going to do? We are going to take the little bits of wood, these books, these letters, we're going to take these little things, these little bits of wood that are left of this mighty temple to liberty that our founding fathers built, and we're going to use it as kindling. And we're going to light some brush fires of liberty all over this union. We are going to light these brush fires of liberty. It is going to inspire us and our fellow patriots. We are going to get it done. And we are going to use that fire not only to inflame our own passions and our own hearts, but we're going to use that fire to burn down the palaces of the tyrants. Let's get it. Let's go. All right. The language in these letters from the early 18th century. Deal with it. Okay, get out a dictionary if you need to, but don't Teflon this stuff. Don't let it slide off you because it sounds unfamiliar language. If you make the effort, you will see just how applicable these letters written 300 years ago are to us today. Now, I'm going to start with something, right? I, I, on my TikTok channel, I used to do this thing, what did Trenchard and Gordon write today 300 years ago that's applicable to our day? So, now I couldn't uh, get exactly our day they didn't write one on this day but they did write august 5th 1721 it's letter number 40 can i can i share this with you y'all they write inquiring i'm gonna put it like this so y'all can so i can see it too inquiring how it comes to pass this is letter number 40 inquiring how it comes to pass that the best things in the world such as religion property and power are made to do so much hurt. I find it to proceed principally from this, that men are never satisfied with their present condition, which is never perfectly happy, and perfect happiness being their chief aim, and always just out of their reach, they are restless, restlessly grasping at what they can never attain. The title of that, considerations on the restless and selfish spirit of man you tell me that's not applicable to our day selfishness man i know there are people right now listening to this that this morning took 20 pictures of themselves they took four pictures on the moon okay selfishness yeah we know a little bit about that and why why are these good things why is religion right why is property why are power used for bad things because we all men we we're never happy with what we have and we always want a little bit more and a little bit more it is our sad experience right etc etc all right let's get it let's go letter number three trenchard and gordon give us instructions for what to do when we've pulled the tyrants down from their positions of power here we go these tyrants, they have served a whole people like Satan served Job. But the devil is insulted by an analogy that you make between him and them. Do you get it? The devil is insulted when you call tyrants devils. Well, monsters they are, but what do we do with them? The answer is short and at hand, hang them. For whatever they deserve, let's not invent new tortures or any new type of death. I think in this we just should show moderation. We should hang, let them be hanged and hanged speedily. As to their wealth, as it has manifested the plunder of the people, they didn't get rich except through us, let it be restored to the people and let the public be their heirs. That's the only method 
by which the public is ever to get likely to get back their billions by them or anything indeed. Let them be hanged and hanged quickly. Let's not discuss this. No chit-chat. What do we do? They're monsters. What do we do when we pull them down for their positions of power? Hang them and hang them quickly. And uh, whatever will they have, strike that and make the people of the United States their heirs. Because that's the way we're, any way we're ever going to get any of our money and property back. If you don't see why our founding fathers were able to do what they did, come on now. Come on. All right, let's go to letter number six, where we're taught how easy it is to fool people and to get them to support these tyrants. Here we go. No experience or suffering can cure the world of its credulity. Credulity means easy to believe stuff. It has been a bubble from the beginning, and it's not a bit wiser for the discovery, but it still runs into old snares if they have but new names, and sometimes whether they do or not. Wilk do the same stupid thing, the same traps, the same tyranny, the same loss of liberty. Just give it a cool name. It's the Patriot Act. Oh, well, being a patriot's good, so I, I have to support that. I support the... If you don't have anything to hide, why do you care that the government is recording all your text messages, that the government is recording your entire web search history? Why do you care if you have nothing to hide? That's not the question. I don't answer the questions. Okay? I'm in charge. Government, you're my employee, my servant. You answer. You don't ask me what I have to hide. I tell you, don't be looking at my stuff unless you have a warrant based on probable cause describing exactly what and where and why you are looking through my stuff. Do you understand? But here we are. There is this... Nothing can cure us of our credulity. Self-love, here we go. Self-love beguiles men into false hopes, and they will venture to incur a hundred probable evils to catch one possible good. Nay, they run frequently into pain and expense to gain advantages which are purely imaginary and utterly impossible. Gun control, anybody? Uh, welfare, anybody? If we just get take away all the guns, the streets will be safe. No, they won't. And you're not going to get all the guns. No one ever calls for disarmament. They call for civilian disarmament. Do you realize what that says? Let's just leave the guns in the hands of the police and the army, the people who swear an oath to defend the tyrant. Does that make good sense to you? If we just get rid of all the privately owned weapons, then the people won't be scared to go out at night. Do you know why I'm not scared to go out at night? Because I carry a privately owned weapon. Simple as that. It is much, it takes a lot less courage to attack people you know are unarmed than to attack people you think might be carrying a gun. Right? Or else, they say, this is back to Trencher and Gordon, else men would not be such easy dupes as they are now everywhere. Whoever would catch mankind, say they, he, all he has to do is throw out a bait to their passions and infallibly they are his property. Just throw out the talking points, man. Throw out the bait to these people. The Democrats know what bait to throw. The Republicans know what bait to throw. Throw that bait out there and those people will do anything you say. And the tyrants know that. You're not going to get a tyrant get up there and say, you know what, guys? I've been wrong this whole time, and I am really sorry. When's the, you never, you're never going to hear it. You hear people running for president saying what they're going to do. How about we get one that says what they're going to undo? You're not going to see it. Simple as that. Now, can you see now? Can you start to see? I know, I know. Calm down, Joey. Let me get a beverage. Hold on, y'all. Hold on. Beverage brought to you by the St. Louis Cardinals. Hmm. 60% of the time works every time. Can you see 
why Cato's letters was called the dress rehearsal for the American Revolution. Our founding fathers read this stuff, and they're like, hey, when are we going to get to do this? And their parents were like, just keep reading. Just wait till you're old enough. Keep reading. Just wait till you're old enough. I remember, I'm going to tell you all a little story, and I want you to just take it for what it is. I'm not going to explain it. But a few years ago, several years ago, took a trip, a bunch of friends of mine who were stu- all happened to be students of mine. We went to Boston. We went to the cemetery where many of our the Sons of Liberty are buried, and I stood there crying, looking at the grave of some of these men. And I heard this thing in my head as clear as if someone were standing right next to me. They're, they're not dead anymore, Joe. They're just waiting for the captain to give them the sign that it's time to do again what they did before. And I'm telling you, those boys were raised on this. We need to get up to speed so that when they come back to lead us, we are good followers and we can help them do what needs to be done because it's about that time again, isn't it? It's about that time. How about letter number 13? See if this, I mean, Cato, Cato's letters, these Trenchard and Gorges, a blowtorch of liberty, guys. Look at this letter number 13. You tell me if, if this doesn't sound like it's written for our day. There must certainly be a vast fund of stupidity in human nature, or else men wouldn't be caught as they are a thousand times over by the same snare. While they still remember the past misfortunes, they go on to court and encourage the causes to which they were owing and which will produce them again. Well, I know that it didn't turn out so good for us when we intervened in Serbia, Bosnia, Iraq, Afghanistan. I know that stuff didn't go very well, but Ukraine's going to be different. We won't have any bodies wrapped in any coffins draped in flags being sent home. Boys putting themselves six foot in the ground at the command of some tyrant who wants to protect his family's wealth. Yes, sir, that's our patriotic duty. No, it isn't. Patria. Patriotic comes from patria, fathers. We owe our fathers a duty to protect what they gave us. And that isn't being at the beck and call of tyrants who send us to die in pretend foreign civil wars, even if they are real foreign civil wars. But we will just keep running into the, just give it some new name, just say it's patriotic, say we're spreading democracy, throw out those words that make people your property, and they will... That vast fund of stupidity in human nature will convince us to keep doing the same things. Quote, yet even in countries where the highest liberty is allowed and the greatest light shines. Couldn't be anything more than the United States of America. In the country where the highest liberty is allowed and the greatest light shine, you generally find certain men and bodies of men set apart to mislead the multitude who are ever fond of the worst of things recommended by good names. They abhor the best things and the most virtuous actions. One of the great arts of cheating men is to study the application and misapplication of sounds. A few loud words rule the majority. I almost said the whole world. If you want to learn how to be a tyrant, learn how to make up definitions of words. Learn how to define them the way that will best suit you. If you, one of the great arts of cheating men is to study how to apply and misapply words. The majority of men will be led by that. Is it patriotic to serve in the army? Normally is, look, I'm not going to go into it. There are a thousand different things. What I'm telling you is you better find out what patriotism really means before you go serving the tyrant in the name of patriotism. And that's even in the countries where the highest liberty is allowed and the greatest light shines. There's that vast fund of stupidity in human nature. Do you think? What about this? The, the, uh... There are certain men and bodies of men set apart to mislead the multitude. 
Do you think that there are certain men in this country who have been set apart by some evil force in this world to mislead and trick the multitude and to teach them that words mean one thing when they really mean another? You think that's happening today? All right, letter number 15. If, if, this, if you don't recognize that this was written for our day, I, I don't know what else. Here we go. Without freedom of thought, there can be no such thing as wisdom and no such thing as public liberty without freedom of speech which is the right of every man so far as he does not hurt and control the rights of another, and that is the only check which it ought to suffer, the only bounds it ought to know. Freedom of, there is no wisdom without freedom of thought, and there is no liberty without freedom of speech. This sacred privilege is so essential to free government that the security of property and the freedom of speech always go together. And in those wretched countries where a man cannot call his tongue his own, he can scarce call anything else his, his own. Whoever would overthrow the liberty of a nation must begin by subduing the freedom of speech, a thing terrible to public traitors. Traitors, right? Do you hear that? If you can't call your tongue your own in that country... You can't call anything else your own, really. Do you understand that cancel? Do you understand? You cannot call your tongue your own. You will lose your job. You will lose your business. You will lose any amount of money. If you dare say certain things that are by now punishable by the loss of your life, liberty, and property... Well, if you can't call your tongue your own, you can't call anything else your own. And if you want, if you're someone, if you're a tyrant and you want to overthrow the liberty of a nation, what do you do? Subdue freedom of speech. Now listen to this part and see if you don't. Now this is from the same letter, number 15. See if you don't think that this was written for us to learn what to do to some of the people who think they rule over us. Quote, so it is in the interest and ought to be the ambition of all honest politicians to have their deeds openly examined and publicly scanned. Only wicked governors of men dread what is said of them. Guilt only dreads liberty of speech, which drags it out of its lurking holes and exposes its deformity and horror to the light of day, unquote. You think there ain't some people up there in the Potomac who don't want us dragging into the light of day the things they do in their lurking little holes? You think they want to control freedom of speech, freedom of thought, freedom of the press? You think they want to know every? You think they want to surveil everything that you communicate, your phone, your text, your internet? You think they want to do that just to make sure no one's a terrorist? No, no. It is because what? They are guilty and they dread those things which will drag them out of their lurking holes and expose their deformity and horror to the light of day. Unquote. Do you ever see how prophecies in the Bible that they applied not only to the people alive when the prophecy was given, but they applied to people in our day as well? Can it not be possible then that the books that our founding fathers read were designed and written and planned by providence, not only to inspire that generation, but maybe to inspire this generation of children now being born? Is that not possible too? Wouldn't that make sense? And wouldn't it be tragic, just like if we fail to see in the prophecies of the Bible the things that apply to our day, wouldn't it be tragic if we fail to see in these books that taught our founding fathers the things that not only they were supposed to learn as children, but we were supposed to teach our children? Right? In the immortal words of Colonel Sidney, God helps those who help themselves. We just... Guys, seriously. To, today, go to the table of contents. Look at the table of contents in Cato's letters. Pick a subject that interests you and read that letter today. Read two or three of them today, man. 
we, we cannot let the blood and treasure of our fathers and the legacy of liberty that they left us be wasted because we refuse to read in order to be ready to do a little more, a lot more. They wouldn't have been the men they were had they not read the books that they read. That's simple. And I don't want to have to face them when I leave, when I shuffle off this mortal coil. I don't want to face them. And Mr. Madison said, Joey and, and Colonel Sidney and Trenchard and Gordon, Joey, it's good to meet you, man. Happy you were such a fan. What'd you do with all that stuff that we gave you? I marked it in my book. Okay, next. I memorized some of it. Okay, what'd you do with it? Well, I'm at least going to be able to say I taught, I tried teaching it, guys. I tried teaching it to that to people who would teach their children. I tried. We cannot let them have wasted their blood and their treasure just to purchase our ease and luxury, guys. We can't do that. We can't do that. I could make. The, I swear, I could make this video three hours. I'm not even kidding. I'm hitting like a few of 138 letters. Guys, every one of them. As you saw, I randomly chose one written 300 years ago this week that could have been written yesterday. All right. Here's one about Trenchard and Gordon talking about elections and political parties and how we get fooled by them all the time. You ready? Here we go. The change alone of a general or a politician has often changed the fortune and disposition of a people, even when there has been no superior endowments in the successor. For if they can be made to believe that their misfortunes are owing to the ill conduct or ill genius of that one guy who commanded them, the removal of of that supposed cause of their misfortune will inspire them with new courage and resolution. If we could just get rid of Joe Biden, if we could just get rid of Donald Trump, if we could just get... Guess what? Government just keeps growing. Right? Are, are there fewer gun laws than there were because Donald Trump came in and a... Nope. Nope. Is Obamacare gone because of Republic? Nope. But if we just get rid of that one guy, we're going to be so much better off. We'll be, oh, we'll, we'll get the Constitution back if we can just get rid of the Democrats. Well, we'll have peace again if we can just get rid of the Republicans. Rubbish. That is not going to happen. But all we have to be taught is, if you can just get rid you ever think that those both sides are laughing at us? They're inside counting our money and using it to fund trips to do what, deformity and lurk in their little dark holes. And we think, yeah, they're our side. Yeah, they're our side. Forget it. That, that's not true. Listen to what he says. Indeed, in countries where liberty is established and people think for themselves. So he's saying in countries that are really free and where the people think for themselves, all those arts and pretenses would be ridiculous and such farce would be laughed at. We would laugh if we were really free and if we really were taught to think for ourselves, taught how to think, not what to think then we would know that that's ridiculous, that we're going to vote ourselves into liberty, that that party is good and that party is bad. We would, we would know that's ridiculous and we would laugh at that farce. The people would have sense enough to know that all this profusion and wealth is their own money, that they, the people, must work and lack so that others can be idle and abound. They will see that their poverty, the people's poverty, is increased and their miseries are aggravated and mocked by the pomp and luxury of their masters, a.k.a. Richmond, north of Richmond. Shout out to Oliver Anthony. 
So what do we do about those who support tyrants? What do we do about those who vote in favor of the bills that violate the Constitution? Letter number 29. He who protects from the gallows those that deserve it, adopt their title to the halter and ought to swing in their place. Clear enough? If you haven't been motivated by now to pause this bloody video and run and order your copy of Cato's Letters, that's fine. Because guys, as it has been from the beginning, many are called and few are chosen. When it comes to doing something as sacred as restoring our liberty, many are called, but few are chosen. So if you're not motivated by this, that's fine. And don't, don't come at me saying, well, you're just not motivating, Joey. I don't care. And the fact is, I'm going to be real honest with you, and this is something that's making my Quaker DNA cringe, but I know that I am a good teacher. But I know it has nothing to do with me. I know that God gave me that talent to be used to teach important things to people who were going to do sacred and important things with that knowledge that I gave them. I don't fancy myself, but I do want to be able to answer not only to God, but to these men and to my founding fathers that I, I did what I was supposed to do. But that's okay. If it, doesn't, if it doesn't motivate you, if it doesn't inspire you, that's fine. Many are called and few are chosen. 0.0004% of the men alive in, in, in 1789 could ever be called founding fathers. So that's probably how it'll be again. 0.0004% of the people alive in 2023 will ever do anything that will merit us putting pictures of them on the wall and repeating their names in reverence. I'm going to give you a couple more examples just how powerful and passionate these boys are. John Trenchard and Thomas Gordon. Letter number 89. How about that? How about letter number 89? Nothing is so much the interest of private men as to see the public flourish. For without mentioning the pleasure and internal satisfaction which a general, generous mind receives in seeing people about him content and happy instead of meager and starved, naked and ragged, dejected and melancholy. Guys, it is in our private interest to do things that would make the public flourish. Again, we've got a group of plutocrats sitting in palaces on the Potomac, impoverishing 330 million of us, right? Isn't that what Hume said? It's the greatest mystery of history, how the few are able to command the many like that, so easily command the many. We've got a few hundred men in marble palaces built with our money mocking us sending us to die taking our jobs closing down our jobs sending our jobs overseas when we know that what's good for one man is good for all of us Liberty is the tide that lifts all boats. Liberty doesn't care the color of your skin. Liberty doesn't care if you what letter you have after your name. Liberty doesn't care what school you went to. Liberty doesn't care if you're a man or a woman. Liberty is the tide that lifts all boats from a canoe to a yacht. We recognize that. People with generous minds, we see that. And we would rather see our people flourish and see them contented and happy instead of meager and starved, naked and in rags, dejected and melancholy. But these people do not care, man. Surely you see that. Surely you see that you have more to fear when it comes to your life, liberty, and property from the plutocrats on the Potomac 
than all the terrorists on the Tigris. Surely you understand that because you are someone with a generous mind who takes satisfaction out of seeing his fellow men flourish and takes it personally when you see so many of us suffering. All right. I'm going to skip a couple. I'm going to skip a lot because, like I said, I can't make this three hours. Y'all ain't fixing to watch. I look at the analytics. Ain't no one watching these whole things, but I'm doing it because, guess what? This is my job. My job is to teach them, and I'm going to do that as best I can. And, yes, I am a rusty tool, man. I'm not sitting up here proclaiming to be some ideal. I'm simply saying the best I can do is the fact that for some reason— These things were placed in my path and not in the path of others. And then I was told, put it in other people's hands, Joey. That's what I'm going to do. So even though this could be three hours, I'm not going to do it, but I am going to do justice to it. But all you got to do is go to that computer, get to the online library of liberty, look at the table of contents, and just today, guys, one, do this. Give this offering. Place this offering on the altar of liberty. Read, go through that table of contents, choose some topic they wrote about that you're interested in, and read that letter, write it down in your commonplace book, and think about it a little bit. And then tell somebody about it. And then tell them about this podcast where you can hear this stuff, and it ain't about politics. It's about principles. It's about our founding fathers. It's about the stories that are not told anymore. And now you see why you are not taught Trenchard and Gordon. But you're taught John Locke a little bit. John Locke inspired the Declaration of Independence. Okay, that ain't what Jefferson said, but fine, do your thing, right? But why? Because, yeah, it's going to get you, oh, look at these principles. I'm going to put this little gobbit on Facebook. You ain't going to see no Trenchard and Gordon on Facebook when he says, I'll tell you what to do with tyrants. Hang them and hang them speed. What? You're not going to see that. But our founding fathers read it when they were 11 years old. And then when they got old enough to do something about it, what do we do with the tax collector? Uh, tar, who, who's got the tar? Are you tar duty today? You know, Sons of Liberty mean who's got, who's got feathers? We need two feathers to every tar, guys. Who, Steve, you were feathers? I don't care, Steve. I don't care what bird. Man, just get some tar. Two tars and a feather. We got two feathers and a tar. Guys, don't make, come on, come on now, come on now. Maybe instead of my catchphrase being, you know, like, make America states again, maybe it should be make tyrants birds again. Hmm. All right, ready for number 70? You are born to liberty, and it is your interest and duty to preserve it. The Constitution you live under Your governors have every right to protect and defend you, but none to injure and oppress you. You have the largest share in the legislature. You have the sole power over your own purses. You have an undoubted right to call to account and punish the instruments of your oppression. Do you hear? You have an undoubted right to call to account and punish the instruments of your oppression. But it depends on you and yourselves alone to make these rights of yours, these noble privileges of yours, of use to you. The best laws give no security if they aren't executed. And indeed, they become worse than no laws. The best law, that Constitution ain't going to enforce itself. Uh Uh-uh. The boundaries of the Constitution. There's no no sentry in the little page. No, uh uh-uh. You are. You're the guard. We are the guards meant to walk the perimeter of that Constitution. And when we see someone stepping outside it, to warn them, back up inside the boundary or be shot. It is, it depends on ourselves alone 
to make these rights of ours, these noble privileges, of use to us. The Constitution means nothing. And in fact, it's an insult. It's worse than no laws because there we have a Constitution. We know what these people are allowed and not allowed to do, and we don't care. That's worse. Because if there was no Constitution and some president says something like, seize the guns now, we'll worry about due process later. When some president says, I'm going to send 3,000 troops to Ukraine and 40, and I'm not going to let you see what, uh, how much money my family took from a company whose interests we protected with American lives and treasure... When that, if we care, we'd do something about that. But if there was no constitution, we'd be like, that ah, sounds wrong. You know, it does, it does sound wrong, but what are we going to do? There's no, but we have a bloody written constitution that lists all the powers of every office of the federal government. And if you exceed those powers habitually, then we know it wasn't a mistake. We know you are meaning to. You have a design. You have conspired with the rest of your little cabal to take our liberty. And we have promised to come, our mothers, to come home with our shields or on it. Let's do this. Because they're not going to execute themselves. These laws aren't going to carry out themselves. The Constitution doesn't enforce itself. It sounds a little bit to me like a something that I read once in a sacred book. I, the Lord God, made you free, and you are free indeed. Nevertheless, when the wicked rule, the people mourn. How about from 71? For those of you who are students or teachers, let's see what T and G have to say about learning. Quote, Neither the titles nor the deeds of tyrants will bear examination, and their power is concerned to stupefy and destroy the very faculties of reasoning and thinking. Reason cannot travel far when force and dread are in the way, and when men dare not see, their eyes will soon grow useless. Why do those creatures at the bottom of the ocean in the Mariana Trench, why don't they have eyes? Because they don't need them. Why do we not see things? Because we don't use our eyes. We have them. We just don't use them. Why? Because tyrants want to keep us stupid and destroy our ability to reason things out and think. And we're not going to go down those roads of reasoning and thinking for ourselves if we know that force and dread are in the way. If we know that we're going to get in trouble if we talk about certain books. If we talk about the fact that Trenchard and Gordon said, what do we do with tyrants when we catch them? We hang them and hang them speedily. What do we do with those that support tyrants? We put them on the gallows next to them. What? We're not going to read those things and teach those things if we're worried about force and dread. And men, where they dare not see, their eyes will grow useless. Ignorance, more from TNG, more from that letter, number 70. Ignorance accompanies slavery. People who live in freedom will think with freedom. But when the mind is enslaved by fear and the body fears chains... Inquiry and study will be at an end. Men will not pursue dangerous knowledge, nor venture their heads, and risk their necks, as we would say, to improve their understanding. Besides, their spirits, dejected with servitude and poverty, will lack vigor as well as the time to cultivate and propagate the truth. Listen, they will lack time and they will lack the vigor to try and find the truth. Why? Because the truth is ever high treason against tyranny. The truth is high treason against tyranny. Tyrants don't want you pursuing dangerous knowledge because 
how in the heck can knowledge be dangerous? Because exactly of what is written at the end of that last paragraph, y'all. Tyranny, uh, truth is forever high treason to tyranny. If you are somebody that loves liberty, you just got called to commit a little high treason against tyranny. Yeah? All right. Number 93, my second favorite. I'm hurrying. Just, just take this. This is them describing what a hero really is. Ready? This is letter number 93 for those of you scoring at home. All right. I designed this letter as a dissertation upon heroes who were at first a sort of brave, disinterested men that having more courage and prowess than others went about doing good to others and to all at their own expense and danger. They established and reformed communities, taught them laws, punished those who violated the law and justice, and they destroyed public robbers and monsters, and the greatest of all public robbers and monsters, tyrants. They lived patterns of virtue and valor. They were called heroes, a sort of middle being, superior to other men and akin to the gods. What? Heroes are people that protected and defended people at their own expense? You mean heroes didn't get paid by the government to defend people? Maybe being a soldier and a policeman isn't supposed to be a full-time job. Maybe it is a calling shared by all the men of a community. Things that make you go, hmm. Why would being a policeman and a soldier be made into a full-time job? Who pays their salary? Oh. But what if it were just a calling shared by all the men in a community to be soldiers and policemen when necessary? Hmm. I wonder if we'd be more likely to defend our neighbors and our families than strangers when we know we're going to get paid in two weeks anyway. But what if we don't? What if we're just doing it because those are our people? You think many people would get away with the stuff they get away? Hmm, anyway. A little more from 93. Tyranny, which is the extermination of government, calls itself government. You understand what he's saying? Do we have a government in the United States today? No, we don't. We have tyrants in the offices of the government. They call themselves government, but they're not government. They're tyrants. And thus arose persecuting priests and lawless kings, but so are words and the world abused. And with so much safety and even applause is this mischief of these fake heroes committed. Alexander the Great deified himself. Caesar was deified for others, and they were universal murderers. Cook of Berry, talking about this guy in England, he was hanged for attempting one murder. Had he been at the head of an army of a hundred thousand and murdered a million, he might be recorded a hero and his name handed down through the ages with public declamations made in the schools of his good conduct and leadership and virtue. Child, the highwayman, another guy, he robbed the mail and was put to death. But if instead of the mail, if he'd robbed a nation, he could have governed it. And instead of hanging in chains, he could have led a whole people in chains and then been dubbed an able statesman and a faithful minister. Oof. Are you listening, Washington, D.C.? Just lead an army of thousands, kill millions, and you're a hero. Don't you dare try to kill one person because then you'll be put in jail and maybe executed. Make yourself a general. Make yourself a president. Send robots over shooting missiles at those people. Then you'll be a hero. Don't, don't, don't rob one person. Rob a nation by passing taxes. Rob a nation by making it a law in the 50s where your employer has to pay the government before they pay you for your labor. Make it. And then you'll be known as a genius, a good statesman, such a great politician, really effective. 
But you, you go out right now and you rob one guy, you're going to get arrested and put in jail. Don't be stupid. Don't be a civilian and one rob one guy and get put in jail. Become a politician, rob a whole nation of them, and get called great in history books. Come on. There are some kids out there. They're not going to let you get away with the stuff we let you get away with, D.C. I hope you're listening. They're coming to carry out the work that our fathers started. All right, 93, what a wild and in the rest of 93, what a wild and inhuman spirit to plague the world in order to make a name in it, to commit great villainies for a good name, to destroy the peace and prosperity of mankind just to gain their esteem, to shed blood to show yourselves fit to govern. That's what we want. We want a guy. I'm going to, we're going to go get him. I'm not going to let them live for what they did. We're going to, did they do what you said? It doesn't matter. Look at me. I'm wrapped in a flag and I'm, I'm going to send planes over there. We're going to bomb them and woohoo. It doesn't matter if they did anything. This is patriotic. I got to shed blood to show people that I'm strong. I'm a strong president. I'm going to send, I'm going to go over there and destroy some people. I'm going to blast them back to the dark ages because I'm strong America. Right? What would we do if the situation were reversed? When I was giving that speech in the United Nations, and I think it was 2013, the only person there speaking in defense of the Second Amendment, by the way, the, the ambassador of Pakistan and I were standing in line together waiting to go in, and I'm like, hey, what, what do you think about those drones? What, what y'all? He's like, how would you feel if Pakistan suspected some guy that hated our government of living in the United States and we sent drones to the United States and bombed weddings and bombed buildings and killed people on the side of the road just because we suspected that that guy might be there. I said, we would nuke you until you were glass. And he's like, yeah, we feel the same way because we're all human. Now, what, what do we do? So listen to what they say. And here's another reason. You're not fixing to read Trenchard and Gordon in your classes unless you have those teachers I've mentioned before. These, talking about these tyrants, are the wolves and tigers of the human race. Beasts of prey who, if the world would preserve itself, ought to be driven out of the world or hung up in it. And like these, they're more innocent brethren, meaning these wild animals. Wild animals only kill for food. But like them, we should take these tyrants and lock them up in dens and be shown as the monsters they are. And perhaps it would be an even fairer punishment if we catch them, close them up in a building with all their beloved weapons around them, and there let them fight and tear each other's flesh, fight and spill each other's blood, because this would be giving a satisfaction. Because they like spilling blood so much, let them spill each other's blood. Do you see what... That's a quote from letter 93. Trenchard and Gordon saying, how about tyrant hunger games? They love going to war and buying new weapons so much. Spilling so much blood wantonly, as they say. They get some sort of satisfaction out of killing so many people. Let's lock them up in a building with all their precious weapons that they've stolen our money to pay for, and let's see what happens. Let's, let's lock them up in there and let them spill each other's blood and use their precious weapons against each other. Tyrant hunger games. Do you see why you're never going to be taught this and our founding fathers could quote this stuff when they were nine? All right, I'm going to stop. If you hadn't got the call to action now, then you ain't going to get it, and I'm just... I, come on it's what you're, you're what if you haven't felt the call to action in this episode that it's going to mark not not me do you understand not even this episode the things i've talked about the message not the messenger will mark you either as a hero as a patriot as a son or daughter of liberty or it'll mark you as what george washington called a tool and a dupe I know that every one of you listening has a role to play in the restoration of American liberty if you want to play that role. But as God himself said, thou mayest choose for thyself, for it is given unto thee.
But remember, guys, that those choices have consequences, not just for you, but for all of us. Remember that if you love the liberty God gave us, you owe something for that. Heaven knows how to put a price on its goods. And it's placed a high price on liberty. God gave his only begotten son as a sinless sacrifice so that we could be allowed to choose freely. All right. I'm going to read this last one, and it's the last thing I'll say for today, and I'll close out with us. Now, therefore, my best friends, is the time to help yourselves. Now act honestly and boldly for liberty or forget the glorious and charming sound. Go and do thou likewise. Thank you, guys.